Stand by for the hook. Welcome to The Hook with Katie Kempner, Vice President of Agency Communications at Crispin Porter and Bogusky, the most awarded advertising agency in the world. Every Tuesday at the intersection of advertising and PR, The Hook, where Katie talks with advertising visionaries, top journalists, cutting-edge creatives, authors, and PR gurus. Hear what these industry insiders have to say about the changing landscape of advertising and PR today. Now here's your host, Katie Kempner. Hello, I'm Katie Kempner. Today is Tuesday, August 5th, and you are listening to The Hook, where each week I talk to advertising, branding, and public relations insiders who are both leading and covering the industry. My hope is that by listening to my guests, you'll find inspiration and new ideas, and of course, like always, have some fun along the way. So today I thought I would check in with my friend and one of my all-time favorite guests, editor-at-large for Advertising Age, Matt Kramer. Hey, Matt. Hey, Katie. How are you? Good. How are you? I'm pretty good. I'm pretty good. Thank so, last time you were on the hook, we discussed you being my official regular guest. So, considering this is one of consider this as one of your appearances as my official regular guest category, or my only one, actually. Uh, it's, it's quite an honor. <laughs> so, I thought we should talk about timely stuff starting off, and it's the Olympics. I mean, it's three days till the opening ceremony of the Olympics. Could we talk a little bit about what your feeling is about, you know, advertising and what's going on around the Olympics? Yeah, I mean, I think the big concern with the Olympics is going to be um, just given all of the, the sort of kind of uh, foreign policy issues around China, um, and there are various ones that, that, that a lot of different kinds of activist groups are unhappy with, just how much of an issue that'll be for the Olympics and consequently for the advertisers um, around it. I mean, we've been writing for this, writing about this for a while, that this is kind of a, a PR risk for your big multinational companies like Coke and J&J to have your brand near what could be the site of, you know, any number of demonstrations and so forth. So I think that's going to be probably the biggest sort of overall issue facing the advertisers there. Mm-hmm. And do you see some things that, that um, like Coke or, or McDonald's that they're planning on doing that, you know, sounds like a sm- smart thing? Um, I mean, I think a lot of the mobile stuff that's going on, that I believe Coke and, and both J&J are doing, is kind of a, a smart idea. I mean, there's nothing that's necessarily sort of caught my eye as being particularly innovative. I mean, I think a lot of this is still about, um, you know, just getting... I mean, there aren't too many, as we know, that in, in advertising generally, there aren't too many mass events left. I mean, there are things like the Super Bowl and American Idol and so forth. Um, and the Olympics definitely offers, a, you know, a, a lot of opportunities to get your, your brand in front of a lot of people who are really engaged with the content, who are probably often going to be watching it live and not skipping it on DVRs and, and so forth. I mean, I haven't seen anything yet that sort of necessarily caught my eye as far as um, so being something really groundbreaking. Well, let's talk a little bit about your blog. I know. Okay. Can, now, it's mattcreamer.com. Now, is that part of AdAge? Is it linked to AdAge? How does it work? Because I, I want to talk a little bit about journalists and blogging and sort of yeah. what that means well, now so and the pressure that you you have or you don't have. Or Can you just yeah. talk a little bit about your blog and, and what so, you do with it? Yeah, I started that about a year ago, and I actually started it for um, a story that I was writing about search engine optimization. And one of the things that I, I basically worked with an SEO 
firm to to kind of optimize me, and I wrote about the process. And one of the the things that I needed to do was to create a blog as a kind of anchor um, for my name on the internet. So what I basically did was created mattcreamer.com, and at least during the the time that I was reporting this story, I posted a lot of stuff there, linked to stuff that I was writing on. Uh, at age.com, I um, put original stuff up there, linked to other stuff that was written about marketing and, and advertising. And um, so, yeah, so it became that, and it's it's actually not affiliated with AdAge, and it's actually pretty much neglected at this point just because I haven't had the time to put a lot of um, original content up there. I think there are some links that still pop up there through Delicious, but I'm actually going to be on vacation in a couple of weeks, or for a couple of weeks, and I'm going to rethink exactly what that's going to be and, and figure out whether... I, whether I should do what I should do and whether I should do anything with it, um, but yeah, so that's that's entirely separate from what I do for AdAge. Well, you know, blogs, uh, personal blogs, aren't you know just as a category now are so they're they're so prolific. There's so many of them, and it seems you know there's some that have a lot of weight. There's some that don't have as much weight. I'm sort of curious if you were to post something on that blog that. This is sort of like a PR question. This is a PR question. If you were to post something on your blog, let's say you go on vacation and you and during vacation you decide, you know what, I'm really going to make this blog big. I'm going to blow it out. I want to keep doing it. I'm more interested in it than I thought I was, although maybe it sounds like it's not going in that direction. But hypothetically, let's say it was, and you posted something on it which was inaccurate in some way or another. What, would there be a point in the PR person getting in touch with you and letting you know or Absolutely. I guess PR, yeah, I yeah, mean, de- definitely. I mean, I think it would, I mean, in my mind for how I would run it, it would pretty much fall under the same criteria that we use at AdAge just because I think that's a, a good, it's a good set of criteria, which is that, you you know, you have to be able to prove that something is wrong and not, you know, and not it just be a case of a PR person disliking the tone um, or being annoyed by it. it would have to actually be something that's, you know, demonstrably, factually incorrect. And But, yeah, I mean, it would definitely be, be worthwhile. Why are you finding that there are a lot of um, bloggers out there who don't do that? I think that, it, you know, bloggers run such a gamut of people that really are very, you know, giving their own opinion but are very sort of respectable and ones that are just sort of all over the place. And there's some that should remain nameless or will remain nameless that are really very irresponsible. And, you know, as a PR person, I, I, I wonder, do you engage in the conversation with that person of saying, you know, this isn't right or this isn't correct, or you just, do you just leave it because you're perpetuating it by, you know, continuing to talk about it? Yeah, I mean it's a big I mean it's a big question. I mean you definitely I mean we don't have this issue from the kind of PR perspective, but we do from the issue of people um, you know bloggers or I mean and I kind of hesitate even to use the word bloggers for a lot of the sites that I'm going to refer to, but people stealing our content, so you know taking entire stories and slapping them up on a website somewhere um, and not you know having using the link or having a link or not using the the byline or not attributing to adage or even if they do attribute to adage there is no link and they're still using all the content which is pretty much a copyright violation so i mean there's the issue of one like how <laughs> much of a waste of time is it to go and track down all these sites that are doing it many of which have very little traffic and um and i mean and the second thing is i mean if you kind of spend too much time with these sites and if you ever sort of write about it or call attention to it in any way are you kind of just drawing more attention to these things that are kind of um you know maybe taking your traffic especially traffic that's going through search engines and things like that um 
you know, so I think it's a, you know, I think it's kind of analogous to the situation that the PR person is going to have, which is do you really want to like validate or give credibility to these um, to these websites by paying a lot of attention to them when they're when they're wrong? I mean, I don't. I guess it depends on, I mean, the reach and the impact of the site that you're talking about, and also just you know how responsive they are, and you know. I think, you know, a lot of PR people are going to find that it's going to come down to, you know, the question of whether or not there are, you know, deep pockets there to sue and, you know, at least threaten with lawsuits, whether it's someone who's actually, you know, maybe running a blog out of a kind of money-making media organization versus someone who's maybe anonymous and just running it in their spare time. Um, I think the reaction they're going to get from the bloggers are going to be pretty, um, pretty different depending on, you know, kind of where they come from. Yeah. Well, let's let's talk a little bit about you know, talking, I guess, on the Internet and, and ad age in general, there's such a race for news now. I mean, journalists calling me every minute, you know, what, what's happening, you know, is this going on, is this going on, is this going on? Everyone's running for the same thing. Is that sort of what ad age is thinking of? Are they looking at the bigger picture? What's, you know, what sort of ad age got on its mind right now? I mean, I think it's, we generally try to keep our eye on the big picture and the, the, mm-hmm. the big trends that impact a lot of different parts of the marketing and, and media world and not get too bogged down in the minutia um, of, you know, I don't know, like every camp covering every campaign that comes out or every time there are 10 layoffs at a thousand person agency or, um, you know, every, you know, $10 million account that shifts. I think increasingly, um, you know, it's kind of important. I think it's probably our point of difference that we offer a kind of high-level view of the marketing and media world and also that we act as a filter in kind of picking out the big issues that are going to impact a lot of the the readers that we have and not just, you know, write something that's, you know, applicable to 20 new business people at ad agencies or, um, you know, just one small ad agency somewhere or the other. So I think that's it. And also I think the other thing that we're really focused on is building out Communities. I mean, if you look at adage.com, you see the 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 Big Ten um, blog, which is about the multicultural community, and there's a small agency diary, which is about the small agencies that are out there, and increasingly kind of giving um, our readers a chance to write about the issues that they find that are important, and for other readers to comment on it. And it's kind of a um, close to a self-sustaining kind of set of communities that are that are out there. And I think we'll do more, do more of do more of that where it makes sense. Where do you think it makes sense? I mean, that seems to be, you know, the trend of what everyone's trying to figure out. Where do you think it makes the most sense? Um, you mean, like, what kinds of communities will we be going for? Yeah, again? yeah. Well, I think continuing to build the digital one will probably be a pretty big deal. I mean, we recently um, uh, launched the Digital Next blog, which, um, you know, has a bunch of really um, smart bloggers writing there. Um, and that kind of um, complements the, the sort of original digital content that we that we produce on the website. Um, I think probably there'll be some more international stuff coming, um, and that'll probably be a pretty big uh, initiative for us in the next year or so. I'm still trying to figure that out. And um, beyond that, I mean, I think it'll be still in building out the communities that we already sort of have going. Well, let's take a really quick break, and when we come back, let's talk a little bit about some of uh, some of your recent stories. Sure. We'll be back right after this. Sit tight and don't move. The Hook. We'll be back after this short break. Bruce Clay. Bruce Clay. Bruce Clay. 
Hey, this is Danny Sullivan from the Daily Searchcast. You know, we love bringing you the news every day, and that's made possible by the sponsorship of BruceClay.com. They've just made Inc. Magazine's list of the fastest-growing private businesses. They've exhibited and sponsored at my conferences from the very beginning. Bruce has got that long-standing search engine relationship chart, had been out there with the code of ethics, been a search engine expert in the field for ages. But did you know that Bruce Clay can do more than help you with just SEO? They can do PPC, web analytics, web design, marketing strategy, promotion, and branding. Everything you need for success in the online marketplace, you can check it out from the professionals at Bruce Clay Incorporated. For over 10 years, offices worldwide, they've got answers you need. Check them out today at BruceClay.com. Bruce Clay Incorporated. Geez, another year with no refund from the IRS. I got a nice chunk of change this year. I'm buying a new car and I'm going to Fiji. How in the world did you do that? I got in on TaxBrain.com's affiliate program. And it's easy to make big money during tax season just by bringing them other people paying their taxes. TaxBrain.com? How does that work? With TaxBrain.com's affiliate program, I command a huge payday with their nitro payouts because I get paid for leads as well as sales. That sounds easy. How do you do it? They give me all the tools it takes, like dedicated publisher support, analytics capabilities, custom tracking and creative services, and so much more that I need to make money the easy way. Wow. With 140 million households paying taxes every year, I bet there's no shortage of business all season long. Now you got the idea. Make money off the tax man. How do I find out more? Visit TaxBrain.com forward slash affiliates to find out more. TaxBrain.com, America's online tax service. Looking for a new way to build backlinks and traffic back to your website? Then look no further than the quickest and easiest way to blast your article to thousands of subscribers at the click of a mouse. Introducing ArticleSender.com, the world's premier article distribution service. With ArticleSender.com, you can submit your prize-winning piece to thousands of promising publishers and article directories craving for fresh content. ArticleSender.com also provides premium services so that your article is SEO SEO ready. Plus, we provide express editorial review for rush delivery of your submissions within 24 to 48 hours article distribution at its easiest one form one click thousands of results get your free account today at articlesender.com that's article s-e-n-d-e-r.com when it comes to finding the right customers with the right keywords, all you have to remember is ABC Search. ABC Search is the world's largest privately held pay-per-click network, giving advertisers the best pay-per-click traffic with over 6 billion searches a month and industry-leading protection using ClickShield. Their patent-pending fraud identification software, you can trust ABC Search to deliver the best possible traffic. When thinking about PPC and publisher solutions, all you need to remember is ABC Search. Quality partners, quality search, abcsearch.com. Market Edge with Larry Weber. The future of the World Wide Web with Steve Bratt, who runs the World Wide Web Consortium. We're really in the stage where beyond innovation, getting close to the end of the early adopter stage, and getting to the point where if it's going to really take off in the adoption cycle, I think we're going to see some things happen in the next uh, year or two. Market Edge with Larry Weber, Tuesdays at noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific, and on demand after the show inside the Internet Marketing Channel, only on webmasterradio.fm. Affiliate marketing is changing rapidly. Stay ahead of the trends with Affiliate Marketing Insider. Thursdays at 3 p.m. Eastern, noon Pacific, or on demand anytime inside the Affiliate Marketing Channel. Only on webmasterradio.fm. Now back to 
The Hook. The intersection of advertising and PR. Only on webmasterradio.fm. Now, here's your host. Welcome back. You're listening to The Hook, and I am talking to Matt Creamer of Ad Age. Hey, Matt. Hey, how are you? My regular guest. (laughs) (laughs) For the third or fourth time. What was that? Have I been on three or four times now? Well, I think three. I was trying to go back three. through because this would be my Matt Creamer three show, but you know, I'm <laughs> expecting then to have a Matt Creamer four or five, you know. Oh, absolutely. So absolutely. let's talk about a couple of your recent stories. And one of them that caught my eye um, was very recent, in fact, in fact, from the August 4th edition. It says, is it a good time to buy holding company stock? And I think people really have their eye on holding companies. Can, can you talk a little bit about that story? Absolutely. I think that that kind of was story was generated. I mean, first of all, the story basically um, looks at holding company stocks next to media company stocks. And um, you would think that in an ad downturn, which we are in and which we are kind of facing as part of the general economic downturn, you would think that these companies are going to be pretty much sort of tied up together, that they're both looking at sort of equally bleak pictures just because you have sort of both ends of the 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 kind of you know the the marketing supply chain there you have the the you know you have the the buyers of ads and the and the 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 creators of ads and the sellers of ads wrapped up in these companies and um, but what we're kind of seeing is that um, you know media companies so far throughout the downturn have fared a lot worse or some of the worst performing stocks that we track you know the, the sort of marketing ad related stocks and um, Holding companies, you know, the companies that own all the big advertising and direct marketing and PR agencies are actually mm-hmm. doing comparatively well. Um, where you've got media company CEOs, I mean, you know, at, at either, you know, Viacom or CBS, um, you know, sort of issuing warnings about um, really the, the bottom sort of falling out of the TV advertising market. Um, obviously, newspapers have been in, in, in trouble for a while. You have, on the other hand, you have the, the holding company CEOs being relatively again, relatively optimistic about where things are going. And I guess what we kind of concluded is that a lot of that has to do with the fact that um, that the holding companies for a long time have been working to really diversify the kind of, um, you know, the kind of company, the kind of marketing services agencies that they, that they own. So rather than everything being tied up in, you know, the production of ads um, or the, the, you know, the buying of ad space, these companies are a lot about, you know, about, about, you know, investing in disciplines that, that could hold up really well throughout a downturn, something like customer relationship management, which is a pretty cost-effective way of doing business when it's done well, or PR, where you can get a really, you know, good bang for your buck, as you know. Um, and, uh, you know, there's, and, and I think, and obviously digital, um, I think that it's, you know, so I think the way we've kind of netted out with this is that, um, you know, Omnicom and Interpublic and, and Publicis, at least the, the sort of big, you know, three or four WPP as well, have done a pretty good job in, in kind of keeping their heads above water because they've, um, they've, they've made investments in a wide variety of areas where if you look at a lot of the major media companies, you know, at least a few of them are very, um, you know, sort of overexposed to to advertising, which, you know, and that's, that's a business that kind of pretty quickly goes down in the general economic downturn. So what are some thoughts, you know, I mean, you can't look at any media anywhere without, you know, the main, main thing being the economic downturn. What other ways do you think, and do you think that there are any positive ways that it's affecting the ad industry? Or maybe not the ad industry, but related industries like you just mentioned? 
Um, the whole marketing industry, I guess. I mean, uh, a positive way. I don't know. I mean, it'll probably, um, you know, ideally it'll 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 cut back on you know for, for the marketers for the clients. It'll probably cut back on on product launches and things like that that maybe not be up to snuff. I mean, obviously people are going to be more conservative, and that's always you know that's often a good thing. Um, maybe not as yeah. far as the kind of the bottom lines of these companies go, but as far as you know putting out products and, and also putting out marketing communications that are that are maybe more relevant. Um, but I think mostly it's probably a bad thing. I mean, I think it will breed a kind of, I mean, you're already seeing a lot of, I mean, a lot of these companies are, are inherently risk averse and you're going to see more and more of that um, through bad economic times. And you're already seeing a lot of people obviously losing jobs and leaving jobs and so forth. And, and, I, and I think there'll probably be more of that. Um, and I think that, you know, we're probably looking at that kind of going well into next year. So, yeah, I don't think there's much upside there. I mean, you know, but I'm sure there will be a few smart marketers who figure out a way to, to you know, to use um, to use a generally sort of bad economic picture to their advantage in some form or fashion. NPR. Absolutely. So much of it, I, mean, I think, you know, about doing PR well. So let's also talk about another um, of your recent stories, how to cut through but not offend, Verizon Snickers' latest to fail test. And I guess this is a good example of when AdAge is sort of looking at larger, you know, campaigns. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, part of that was, you know, there was a sort of perfect storm of ads that were offending people a few weeks ago. We had Verizon (laughs) with its weird um, kind of dog ad that that offended, you know, that, that people said kind of, painted a, an unfair and inaccurate picture of pit bulls being vicious and and, um, and then we Is that inaccurate? Snickers. I thought they were vicious. Well, that's the problem, Katie. So, you know, <laughs> if you were to talk to these various dog organizations that are out there, they will tell you that the that, that pit bulls are actually quite friendly and they won't rip your face off if you come near them. So I don't know who to believe, but I would probably steer clear one way or the other. Um, but anyway, the other one was the, the Snickers ads that ran in the U.K. and featured... Um, kind of Mr. T sort of bombarding a really effeminate-looking um, race-walking guy with, with Snickers and um, a lot of, um, you know, a lot of gay rights organizations caught onto that. And, as you know, and, and, it would, and they've actually complained about Snickers ads in the past. Um, most recently, I guess two years ago, the uh, Super Bowl ad that was deemed offensive by a lot of people. And, um, and both of those ads were, um, after pressure from these organizations, they were both pulled off the um, off the air. So the story just looked at some of the implications. I mean, how you kind of. I mean, th- the problem with with this sort of scenario is you've you've got um, you've you've you know it's very hard for advertisers to you know kind of it's cliche, but it is really difficult for them to cut through the clutter to to create ads that people care about amidst all of the other ads that are out there that they'll pass around, that they'll pay attention to, and so forth. And um, you know, if you can't do something that's that's Offensive, and let's face it, a lot of things that are funny or amusing do offend someone somewhere. Um, you know, it becomes a real challenge, and it's you know, and I mean, often and people within the ad business are like often lament that that the creativity is gone, that the willingness to to um, you know get in people's face a little bit is kind of gone, that it's become a really kind of boring business, and the more um, you have of these kinds of instances where you have a you have a, a you know an organization like a you know a sort of dog organization for lack of a better term you have someone using the internet to sort of you have to get a lot of um, you know sort of outrage drummed up really quickly then you're going to have more situations where 
you know, you, you have these ads that just can't sort of weather the storm and they're pulled off. Um, but, you know, I don't know. I often think that when people do speak out about these things, you probably just draw more attention to the ads in the first place. I mean, that, that Snickers ad is a great example. I mean, I don't think anyone in the U.S. even would have seen it had it not mm-hmm. been made an issue by, you know, people here in the U.S. So, I mean, it's it probably got millions of more views on YouTube than it, than it ordinarily would have if it, if it didn't, you know, piss a lot of people off. So, I mean, there was the thinking before, or not that long ago, that, you know, ads had sort of gone in the wrong dire- in a direction of where they were all sort of like this and they were very, like, snarky and in your face. And do you think that there's any tie-in to this economic downturn that people will, that ads will sort of be going in a more conservative direction, less humor, or not, not so at all? That's interesting. I, I think there might be, I think you probably will see people take fewer chances. I mean, that much I, I, I do think. I mean, I don't know whether it'll have the overall effect of making, making advertising generally less, um, you know, entertaining or snarky or, um, you know, risky. But, I mean, you'll probably see fewer chances, and I wouldn't be surprised if you, um, fewer chances being taken. I wouldn't be surprised if that does sort of, um, you know, trickle down into the, the tone of, of ads. So just in the next couple of minutes, because we're, we're almost done, what are sort of the stories or the trends or the things that you're really keeping your eye on right now? Without giving away anything in case a journalist is listening and saying, hey, now I'm going to write about it too. No, I mean, but, you know, just overall things that are secret. interesting to you right now. Yeah, I mean, a lot of this stuff isn't a big secret. I mean, figuring out how the downturn will kind of continue to affect different categories. I mean, I think it'll be interesting to see how, um, you know, marketers of credit card brands can kind of keep on sort of going on the way they are as heavy spenders, um, given the fact that, you know, there's going to be probably more and more restrictions on um, on how they can they can they can market and how they can sort of award credit to customers and I think there are a lot of I mean generally financial services companies that are going to be faced with enormous um, you know or continue to be faced with enormous challenges kind of going forward I think that's a big one I think generally how marketers and agencies react and media companies as well react to um, you know react to a really bad economy that just about everybody agrees that's going to go on well into to next year I think. Um, I mean, in the immediate future, I think what we started with is the Olympics, and and um, you know, and and what it'll all say about China, how China deals with being on the. I mean, not that it's not always on the global stage, but not quite in this way um, right. as a kind of stage for like a, a huge cultural event. I think um, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if if you know, depending on how everything goes there, it has a large impact on on you know, immediate and sort of future investment from, from you know, advertisers and, and uh, you know, and, 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 you know, holding companies and so forth in China. So those are a few things that are kind of, kind of fly off the top of my head. Plus, I'm excited to see the opening, the opening ceremony. Yeah, well, that's always pretty amazing. I mean, that's always, like, sort of worth watching. And what else are you looking forward to? Just that. I can't think farther than there. <laughs> Three days ahead. You're not going to watch any of the 3,000, um, you know, races that Michael Phelps is in, for instance? Or? Well, I am going to watch soccer because my very best friend in the world, Kathleen, her husband is uh, the coach of – he's one of the coaches of the soccer team. So um, he's over there now. He'll be there for, you know, the next month. So I, I have to show my support to Tim and watch soccer. And uh, I love all the gymnastics stuff. I was a big gymnastics fan. Yeah, that is cool. Yeah. Oh, one more big story is is what you know what Crispin Porter and Bogusky does for Microsoft. That's another big one that comes yes. to mind. 
which I think will be well, saying. We'll all be looking for that, won't we? <laughs> no. You wouldn't want to give me a preview, though. Right here, right now. <laughs> Absolutely. What better time? Yeah, probably not. But I would like to thank you so much for coming on my show again and, and invite you as an open invitation whenever you'd like to come back again. I will do that. I appreciate it. Thanks, Matt. Thanks so much. Thank you. Bye-bye. And that's all we have time for today. Thank you for joining me, and please join me next week for another edition of The Hook. Have a wonderful day.